Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Today's Friday, April 3rd, 2020, coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Folks, we've got uh, a jam-packed show. Uh, Lieutenant General Russell Honore is going to be here. He says that, what the hell is the Trump administration doing? He said Jared Kushner has no idea with what the hell he's doing when it comes to this pandemic. Uh, in addition to uh, that, we're also going to be joined by Congresswoman Ayanna Presley of Massachusetts. She talks about the impact of coronavirus, especially on the health of African Americans. In addition, we'll talk about the uh, massive job numbers, a uh, huge spike in unemployment dealing with coronavirus, and also what's going on with black folks. Why are we so more impacted in Michigan? 13% of black people in the state, all upwards of 40% of the people who died thus far. We'll talk to a reporter with Associated Press. Also, we'll pay tribute to the great Bill Withers, who passed away on Monday at the age of 81. His family revealed that today publicly, and we have an unbelievable lineup of guests. John Legend, Stevie Wonder, Jeffrey Osborne, Eddie Levert, Anthony Hamilton, Kerry Hilson, Dwayne Woods, Talib Kweli, 
uh, Reggie Hutland, Nelson George. Uh, folks, unbelievable lineup. Other guests as well. It is going to be a great virtual homecoming, homegoing for the great artist Bill Withers. It's time to bring the funk on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the find. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. We have every day for the last three weeks, our focus is on the coronavirus international pandemic. As of today, folks, there are 265,506 confirmed cases of COVID-19 in the United States and three U.S. territories. At least 6,786 patients have died with the virus. 11,983 patients have recovered from the virus. Now, those deaths, that's an increase of 1,074 people since yesterday at this time. Man, well, the million people have, di have died worldwide from the result of coronavirus. It's clear that we're at war with this disease and without proper leadership, we're losing. Now, just a few moments ago um, at the White House news conference, uh, Donald Trump uh, announced that the uh, CDC are now going to require uh, uh, asking all Americans to wear uh, non-surgical mask uh, or to wear a face mask uh, in public. Uh, that was announced uh, just moments ago uh, by the Surgeon General. Uh, Anthony, go to my iPad so I can play that. Great question that you ask. It's a fair question that you ask. I want to unpack the evolution of our guidance on masks because it has been confusing to the American people. First of all, I want people to understand that the CDC, the World Health Organization, my office, and most public health and health organizations and professionals originally recommended against the general public wearing masks because based on the best evidence available at the time, it was not deemed that that would have a significant impact on whether or not a healthy person wearing a mask would contract COVID-19. We have always recommended that symptomatic people wear a mask because if you're coughing, if you have a fever, if you're symptomatic, you could transmit disease to other people. What has changed in our recommendation? Well, it's important to know that we now know from recent studies that a significant portion of individuals with coronavirus lack symptoms. They're what we call asymptomatic. And that even those who eventually become pre-symptomatic meaning that they will develop symptoms in the future, can transmit the virus to others before they show symptoms. This means that the virus can spread between people interacting in close proximity. For example, coughing, speaking, or sneezing, even if those people were not exhibiting symptoms. In light of this new evidence, CDC recommends and the task force recommends wearing cloth face coverings in public, public settings where other social distancing measures are difficult to maintain. Uh, these, these include places like grocery stores and pharmacies. 
we especially recommend this in areas of significant community-based transmission. That is the decision, again, shortly from the White House. Joining us right now to talk about uh, this response, uh, some might say greatly confusing, is retired Army General Russell Honoré. Glad to have you back on the show, General Honoré. Hello, Roland. Good to be with you. Um, yesterday, it was uh, interesting. For the first time, Jerry Kushner came out to address uh, uh, the the public, and, and he made some comments that uh, many people found to be... Um, pretty confusing, suggesting that somehow uh, that that he needed to be able to come in and knock down these walls to be able to get uh, government to work with each other in the private sector and how Donald Trump uh, asked him to step in. Then he also made this uh, crazy comment uh, by stating that the federal stockpile wasn't for the purpose of the states, which is actually on the government website, they went and changed it after he made the comment. Um, what did you make of what the hell he was talking about? That boy didn't know what the hell he was talking about. <laughs> He's making stuff up. And then overnight, the crime was to go change the website to try and match what he said. So there's a bunch of people complicit in covering him saying something, didn't know what the hell he was talking about. So the guy made a mistake. We can make a mistake and misquote something. But the purpose of the national stockpile, you can go back to the National Defense Authorization Act, to the money Congress passed every year for the government. It funds the national stockpile for the use of the federal government as needed in supporting anything that happened in the world or anything that happened here in the United States. Well, we need that stock that it's on has. He had no idea what the hell he's talking about. But the sad thing, they went and changed the website to match his words. These people are unscrupable. They are unbelievable. Um, and Daniel Dale, um, who is a reporter uh, who basically, uh, even when he was working in uh, Canada, uh, tracks uh, the lies, if you will, of Donald Trump. And this is what he posted. This here is the, I'm showing right now, the screenshot of the, from, from the website, Anthony, go to my iPod, iPad, of the strategic national stockpile. To all y'all, this, this was the screenshot from yesterday, people. It says, strategic national stockpile is the nation's largest supply of life-saving pharmaceuticals and medical supplies for use in a public health emergency severe enough to cause local supplies to run out. When state, local, tribal, and territorial responders request federal assistance to support their response efforts, the stockpile ensures that the right medicines and supplies get to those who need them most during an emergency. Organized for scalable response to a variety of public health threats, this repository contains enough supplies to respond to multiple large-scale emergencies simultaneously. Now, folks, that's what that website said yesterday, prior to 5.30 p.m. before yesterday's um, briefing. This, folks, is what you will now see if you go to that website. The strategic national stockpile's role is to supplement state and local supplies during public health emergencies. Many states have products stockpiled as well. 
The supplies, medicines, and devices for life-saving care contained in the stockpile can be used as a short-term stopgap buffer when the immediate supply of adequate amounts of these materials may not be immediately found. That is unbelievable that you would literally change the website to match what Jared Kushner said at a news conference when what he said is BS because what the website initially said is exactly the purpose of the federal stockpile. Exactly. You know, this is what happened when you bring family and volunteers into the White House. Every principal around the White House has to take an oath. I'll ever wonder, did Jared and his sister ever take an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States? Because they cannot be held accountable for what they say. If the CDC guy or the Surgeon General said that, they could be questioned and said, hey, did you lie to the American people? Did you lie under, as a commission officer who swore an oath to support and defend the Constitution? He'll walk this guy, come make stuff up, then overnight change the website to match his words. This is like a gangster operation, if I've ever seen one. And I don't know what Jared's doing, but he needs to go find something else to keep himself busy because this, this is too complex for him to jump in and try to learn this complex system. It took me 37 years to learn it, and he can't walk in and start making stuff up and try to solve this issue uh, in the middle of this disaster, Roland. And what gets me, General, let's not act as if FEMA has not had to deal with national emergencies before. I mean, you actually have... It's the Federal Emergency Management Agency. Not only that, w w were you bothered yesterday by that by that admiral, I believe, who, when he, when he, when he said that they, were, they are delivering federal equipment to private companies to distribute as if the federal government doesn't have planes and trucks? It is the weirdest statement I've ever heard by a commission officer. That admiral is the vice uh, director for logistics for the Joint Chiefs of Staff. I've never heard the government participate in something like this. So literally, the air bridge that they've arrived, most of this stuff is coming out of China. They arranged the aircraft to come here. The airplane land, let's say it's in New York. Then they take half the supplies FEMA take control of. Then they let the private sector have the other half. What kind of deal is that? And the then and, paying twice for this stuff. Right. And we then with the private what they're doing is they're then turning around. See, the private sector is then turning around and then trying to sell masks to states. For six, seven, eight, nine, ten dollars that normally cost a dollar. And we'll put a brother in jail for selling a cut CD. You know what I mean? What's wrong with this? This makes no sense. Last month, you don't need a mask. This month, yeah, we think you need a mask. It's unbelievable. It's the truth keeps changing, Roland. Well, and it's now but not only that, first of all, um, he bristled at the news conference when he was asked, where's Dr. Fauci? And Trump was like, well, sometimes I have him here, sometimes he doesn't. And my deal is, we trust Fauci more than we trust you. The, 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 the thing here that, that, that for a lot of people out there who don't understand, and again, I've never been in the military, but I've, trust me, as a journalist, I've covered yeah. enough disasters, hurricanes, tornadoes, I've interviewed enough people in the military 
our military is used to moving stuff real fast, real quick, all over the world. This idea that our military, I've had two four-star generals on here, uh, uh, Lloyd Austin and Kip Ward. Our yeah. military can move faster Stop. than any, I mean, give me a break. So these guys are trying to act as if like, oh no, no, we don't, we've got to have these companies in their truck. They do these things every single day. And no, the problem is that Donald Trump has aligned with the Chamber of Commerce and these people are making millions and billions from this national emergency. And that's the real deal. It's called disaster uh, capitalism. It happened after every disaster. Favorite companies get the big contracts. They take the money off the top. Look, Roland, this same FEMA region that's dealing with New York, FEMA region two, they have not repaired the houses in Puerto Rico. They have not repaired the houses in St. Croix. And now we're asking them to deal with the hottest spot in America. And they're doing this with an acting FEMA director. What in the hell is going on? But let's roll it. Let's talk about this for a minute. Because our people got to know we've survived a lot worse. We got to take care of one another. We got to take care of our elderly and our relatives that have secondary conditions that might get exposed. And we got to make sure none of our preachers are going out there trying to hold no group service or church on Sunday. We've got to work inside our community and help take care of one another and take care of our people and support uh, the nurses and doctors in our community, regardless of what flavor they are, support them so they can go back and take care of people in the hospital. I think that is what's going to save this because as I've said before, the only one going to save us is us. And the people are going to have to look out for one another and take care of one another in this time of need. Also, I, I think also that people are now seeing uh, uh, the, the, the BS that we're hearing, uh, the ABC as well as uh, Rasm as Rasmussen uh, shows uh, that his approval ratings have dropped and his handling of this crisis has dropped because, and in fact, I, I dare say because he's he got so excited with that New York Times story over the weekend about the ratings of these news conferences, since he's taken the news conferences over, he now actually looks worse because the lying, every time he stands up there and lies and then has to get corrected by Fauci or come back, it shows he's incompetent in what he's doing. In general, what it's doing is it's actually putting the nation at risk. I have never seen a commander-in-chief stand in before microphones and say, why, why do you need so many gowns? Why do these hospitals need so many masks? What's, why do you need so many ventilators when, in a moment like this, you don't give a damn about... You say, go make a million ventilators, and if we only use 500,000, we'll figure out where to store the other 500,000. But you don't nickel and dime America while people are literally dying. It's a sad case to say that many people will die in the coming days because we don't have ventilators. Many of our doctors and nurses will get sick because they're not properly protected by having the proper PPE. And Roland, we don't have a quick test, but these doctors and nurses need to be checked between shifts so they're not taking this home and they're not bringing it back in the hospital. I'll give you a number. We have one hospital in New Orleans where 16 healthcare workers came up positive. 
That next day, they isolated another 314 people who had worked with them the day before. That's the danger of not having some quick tests that we could test people who's working to try to save lives, Roland. That's the sad thing. And we were told, I mean, I sat there and watched it, CVS and Walgreens and Walmart, we were going to be using their parking, lot, parking lots for massive drive-through testing. None of that's happened. We haven't seen it. Uh, we have, and we wasted, frankly, two months when it came to the labs. And so the problem is you don't even have enough labs to now process those, th those tests as well. I mean, but, but this is what happens when you have incompetent people uh, who are in charge. Uh, you have been sounding this alarm. It was glaring. And, and all the sugarcoating, oh, we're doing great. We give ourselves a 10. We've been wonderful. We've been phenomenal and awesome. Look, all that pat on the back means nothing when people out here in New York are dying, when the cases are exploding in Mississippi, in Florida, uh, in Louisiana, all these different places. And finally, you're seeing these red state uh, governors finally wake the hell up and have shelter in place. And even with shelter in place, all these people who keep saying that this is going to somehow destroy our economy, you know what actually destroys the economy? Uncertainty as to whether or not I can go out and if I'm going to get sick. So they can rush, they can try to rush through this and get us back circulating. But what kills you is people say, uh, I don't know if I don't want to go to work or go out because I might catch it and might die. That to right. me is the scariest thing if you don't have shelter in place all across the country. And think about this, Roland. We got a lot of people out there stocking shelves to minimum wage. They are clerks at the stores, minimum wage, and I don't mean $15 minimum wage. A lot of them are working for $8, $9 an hour. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Why, why wasn't something included? We need those workers. Yeah. You have the best supply chain in the world. If you don't have a delivery system, you can't get there. We need to take our hat off. The men of them are our people, minority people doing these jobs. What happened if they said, I'm not going to risk myself to go out here yep. for $9 an hour. And what's crazy? Witness to them, and we see them in the store, we got to thank them, Martin. And what's crazy is we now know that the coronavirus can actually uh, be, main, be uh, somehow stay on boxes. And so we also got to make sure that they have been tested uh, because they're the ones who are also touching goods, things along those lines, uh, and, and here's uh, last, the last thing, General, the point that you just made. What this, what this coronavirus pandemic has also shown, everybody, the people who get overlooked in our society, nurses, teachers, medical professionals, store stockers, all, all the people who... Those, all those people, we need every single one of them Otherwise, we can't even go to the store and buy goods. Isn't that quite interesting? Yeah, and we ought to give, use this time, all of our friends you got coming on, to put some hellified heat on Walmart to pay our people a living wage and with health care. There's no reason why they're not paying people a decent wage with health care. Because right now, many of those workers have to go on Medicaid and ask the government to take care of because Walmart is more worried about profit than they are taking care of their people. And now is the time to put the heat on them.
retired General Russell Honore. Always appreciate your candor and honesty. Thanks a lot for joining us. God bless. Take care of our people. Test, test, test. Yes, sir. You take care of yourself as well. Folks, earlier today, I had a chance to talk with Congresswoman Ayanna Presley uh, of Massachusetts uh, about uh, this coronavirus uh, pandemic. But remember, she also was impacted uh, when she had to self-quarantine when she was possibly exposed to uh, this whole issue. Here's my conversation with her. All right, Congresswoman, Ayanna Presley, always glad to see you. Um, talk about your personal coronavirus scare. I mean, you had to, to self-quarantine yourself. Just share with, share with our folks... Um, uh, how scary that was for you and your family. No, absolutely. So this was, you know, probably 14 days ago. Um, and the the situation was, was much different than it is now um, for our country, right? But what happened is that I was experiencing shortness of breath, tightness in my chest, um, fevers, and um, my symptoms were not subsiding. And I was considered high risk because my colleague that I sit next to in financial services, uh, Representative Ben McAdams, had tested positive and, in fact, was hospitalized. And so I had been exposed. I also have asthma. And I also have um, alopecia, which is a, an autoimmune disease. And so for all of those reasons, I was considered high risk. So sort of what happened is I had these symptoms. They were not going away. I contacted my PCP. She then conducted an online triage. That's how they determine what category you fall into. Uh, recommended or referred me to a testing center. Um, I went there to Mass General and um, was tested both for the flu and also COVID-19. Uh, fortunately tested negative for COVID-19. Uh, I did have the flu, um, and so that is what was going on. But it was very frightening, and the, the thing that I was thinking about, uh, my mind was racing about a lot of things, but just that if you are sick, you are also going through this alone. You know, my husband was ready to, you know, uh, fight folks uh, because he was not going to be able to be with me. Um, and for, so for anyone, because you have to also prioritize containment. So you have, you're not feeling well, you're afraid, and then the people that would normally calm you and comfort you, you can't, can't be in proximity to you. So you are completely going through this alone. Uh, but I just, uh, you know, I thank God that my test was negative and I continue to lift up and send up prayers for all those that are battling this virus and for the surviving family members, for those that we have tragically um, already lost um, to this pandemic. Let's just talk about just this, this coronavirus um, uh, pandemic uh, and, and really this, uh, that I'll call this lackluster federal response. I mean, you have Donald Trump standing at the podium. Uh, saying states should be getting their own ventilators, we're the backup. Uh, when you talk about him questioning whether or not hospitals really need as many gowns and masks uh, that that they should. I mean, this really is not a state-by-state -state emergency. This really is a national emergency, and this is where the federal government should be leading as opposed to saying, hey, uh, you guys go out there and compete on your own, and now you got people price gouging with masks. I mean, this is an abdication of leadership. Absolutely. He's been criminally negligent. And as you know, I've uh, always referred to him as the occupant um, because he embodies uh, nothing that is presidential, uh, either the strategy, the intellect, the, the empathy. Um, and so what he's been doing is it's just that it's criminally uh, negligent. 
It's uh, the misinformation, just reckless and irresponsible. And we're going to continue to do everything we can, albeit remotely, uh, to conduct the role of oversight of this administration while we're in the midst of this pandemic. But that won't only be while we're in the eye of this storm. It'll be beyond that. And there will be accountability. We'll better understand who knew what and when. Um, and they'll be taken to account. Right now, what I'm focused on is making sure that the CARES Act, our third relief package, that it is uh, equitably implemented. This virus is not one that discriminates. And uh, so our response, both from a public health frame and an economic recovery frame, uh, should not discriminate. Uh, we need to protect, keep safe and healthy, and ensure that every individual worker and family can weather this storm and uh, recover in the aftermath. When you talk about uh, that oversight, uh, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi has created this select committee, uh, and Republicans are already upset. They're angry about it, and which doesn't make sense because you should want to ensure uh, that uh, the funds are being dispersed properly. Uh, even when Trump signed uh, the bill, he then made this um, this uh, this signing statement, pretty much saying, "Look, uh, they're not going to have oversight." Uh, uh, over many aspects of this. That's the job of Congress. It is to have oversight. Well, I agree. And, you know, again, uh, in these in these times, that's been one of the greatest challenges is that um, we, the Congress, we are uh, co-equal branches of, of government. It is our constitutional duty, however, the House, to be the checks and the balance. And this administration has stonewalled, uh, obstructed, uh, evaded um, all of our efforts to do that. But, you know, we persist. I'm grateful that this uh, special uh, committee or task force has been uh, put together. Certainly grateful for the leadership of our, our chair, Whip Clyburn, uh, assuming the role as the head of that task force. But again, I'm focused on ensuring that uh, on the ground by partnering with my state and local colleagues, that the implementation, God and the devil are in the details, and we have got to be focused on the implementation and ensuring that it is equitable, uh, whether you're talking about the economic recovery and the stimulus funds that will, and those grants and loans and how they'll be awarded, or whether or not you're talking about access to testing and to treatment. Uh, and on that front, I, I do just want to say that, you know, we, history has already shown us that the response is disparate. If you look at the pandemic of H, well, it didn't become a pandemic, thank God, but if you look at the H1N1, um, black folks uh, disproportionately represented uh, the highest mortality rates of H1N1. And that's why I've partnered with Senator Harris, Senator Booker, and Senator Warren in uh, pushing health and human services to collect in real time and to disaggregate data when it comes to testing and to treatment, racial data. And in fact, I was uh, watching, looking at a tweet from the Associated Press reporter yesterday showing that African-Americans make up 13% of the people of the population in the state of Michigan, yet represent 35 to 40% of all deaths so far in Michigan. Right. Yeah. And can I just say, you know, anytime we talk about race, people will 
There are those that will throw barbs and accusations of race baiting. Race does matter, and I want to be very clear. No one is accusing our heroes that are patient-facing on the front lines, our doctors, of racism. What we're talking about is systemic, structural racism, where black folks will show up presenting with symptoms, and they will not be taken as seriously, treated as equitably. We need the data in real time because that will directly inform how we coordinate and marshal resources. And again, this is not dramatics or hyperbola. We saw with H1N1 that black folks disproportionately bear uh, the burden of that virus and also of mortalities. We are also um, vulnerable. You know, we all grew up with folks in our family saying that they had the sugar and these dis disparate um, health outcomes and health disparities like diabetes, like asthma, like heart disease, they become such a conflated part of our health identity um, as black and brown folks that when people talk about folks being at risk with underlying conditions, we don't even think that means us but it means most of us. And that has everything to do with unequal access to uh, healthcare, uh, neighborhoods that are not an ecosystem that support us thriving and being healthy, and the list goes on and on. So not only are we more susceptible to the virus, but we are more susceptible to the most severe consequences of it if we do contract it. And, and as a part of that, again, I think about the young man who was in Michigan who was showing symptoms, went to the hospital, he got turned away. When I think about, again, where we are now, because this administration utterly failed early on when it comes to testing, uh, and they're out there touting, oh, we've done 1.3 million tests. But the problem is there's a big Rose, conference, Rose Garden news conference where uh, Trump has CBS and Walgreens and Walmart and how we're gonna be doing all of this testing in parking lots. But the problem is that hasn't happened. But even if you did have massive drive-through testing, you don't have the capacity in the laboratories to be able to process it again because we pretty much screwed around for 30 to 60 days. And, right. and so, so we're still sort of stuck in this conundrum where there are people out there who are actually sick who can't get tested. There's a, there's a nurse, her name is Veronica. She follows me on Twitter. She just tweeted me last night and she said, I've been admitted to the hospital where I work. She was just tested. She was showing symptoms last week, Congresswoman. And she, as a nurse working at this hospital, could not get a test. Now she has it, she's been admitted. Roland, it's just criminal. There is blood on the hands of Donald Trump and his administration. Now, in Dr. Fauci, I trust. In Donald Trump, I do not. You know, uh, one of the other issues that I was talking to my team about earlier today is because of his misinformation uh, and talking to people about cocktails that they could create on their own to cure um, COVID-19. Drugs that treat lupus have been bought in mass and people, again, disproportionately African-Americans who are living with lupus um, cannot access these drugs that they need to stay healthy and to stay alive. The list goes on and on just with um, the recklessness of this administration. And again, there'll be time to take him to account. I was I try to stay out of my mentions. My team asked me not to engage the trolls, but someone had, you know, 
there were people repeatedly commenting about uh, the fact that we need more elected officials that are legislators and not activists. You are clueless about the times that we find ourselves in. You have got to be both. When you are dealing with every ism, uh, the callousness, the cruelty, the chaos of this administration, you will not get anything if you are not being an activist. And now he has reduced our governors to more than activists on behalf of their states, but beggars having to post live Twitter videos begging for equipment uh, to keep their frontline health workers safe and uh, healthcare workers safe and also to ensure that patients have the equipment and the medications that they need to recover. It is just unconscionable. Um, And so we're working, you know, remotely we're on the phones all day and marathon uh, teleconference calls and Zoom meetings, uh, both around the implementation of the CARE Act, um, gearing up now for a fourth package, which will be focused on infrastructure uh, and recovery. I'm certainly going to be fighting for the definition of infrastructure to be expanded and more comprehensive and robust. Um, infrastructure uh, cannot only be about broadband and um uh, roads and, and bridges and transportation infrastructure, housing is infrastructure, um, childcare and caregiving, that's also infrastructure. So uh, these are some of the things we'll be focused on. And I remain very alarmed about what is happening to our most vulnerable and amongst those, including our incarcerated men and women who are quite literally sitting in a Petri dish uh, being left to die. The thing about this administration is that they have been slowly killing us with their discriminatory policies and their negligence every step of the way uh, on every issue. Now they're just doing it more bluntly. And that's true for for every person uh, who calls this country their home. When we talk about, obviously, what is happening with our personnel, when you look at these daily news conferences with Governor Andrew Cuomo, when you see what is happening with Governor Pritzker, the attacks on the governor in Michigan, um, really, I think what is happening here is there is pretty much, here is a guy who, frankly, is used to trying to make a quick buck. And I think what is happening is, I think what he is doing is he is prioritizing uh, the ability uh, to, uh, frankly, uh, for these businesses and these, these companies to make a whole bunch of money off of this situation, as opposed to using the power of the federal office to be able to say, not going to happen. So by refusing to properly use a National Defense Production Act, That's he's right. pretty much saying, oh, no, 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 because he, he's allowed the chain of commerce to convince him don't do it. So these companies can essentially price gouge. Mark Cuban has been bl- is blasting 3M, saying, how dare you lo- allow your suppliers to take your 3M mask and then now be selling them uh, for eight to 10 times the normal price. Trump doesn't want to do anything because again, this is a way for his business people to in this pandemic to make millions upon millions as opposed to saying, the safety of Americans is most important to suppliers. Any of you charge more than $1. If you charge one cent over that, we're going to go after you. That, to me, is how you care for your citizens and you use the power of the federal office to make it happen. 
Absolutely, Roland. And for those who have, you know, said that uh, we need a, a businessman running our country, uh, let's not forget that Trump was a failed businessman. Uh, and he's also one who's void of any uh, empathy and morally bankrupt. I think he's been gleeful uh, in his control over supply and demand. And that he has, uh, you can see direct correlations with his politics and how he has uh, engaged and what governors he's been combative with, uh, who he has uh, celebrated and been responsive to. It is just uh, unconscionable. And there is blood on his hands. People have died and people will continue to die because of uh, his science denials and because of the criminal negligence of he and his administration. And I appreciate you, Roland, <clears throat> excuse me, parsing your words, because I see folks online saying the federal government is failing us. No, Donald Trump is failing you and our Republican colleagues. The federal government is not failing you because this Democratic majority Congress fought hard to make that CARES Act, which was just a massive bailout for corporations to fight tooth and nail, to center individuals, families, and workers. And the things that we did get relative to direct cash assistance and uh, you know, pausing student loan payments and stopping involuntary garnishment of wages and benefits because of student loans, 100 million for the Bureau of Prisons, 850 million uh, for uh, our uh, state and county jails, 4 billion for those experiencing homelessness, expanding the unemployment provisions to include self-employed, independent contractors, gig economy, artists, and all of that is because Democrats fought for it. And we had to fight tooth and nail, you know, for that. So the federal government is not failing you. This Democratic majority-led Congress and our colleagues on the Senate side are fighting tooth and nail, but it's a shame we have to fight this hard just to center the humanity and dignity of all people. Last issue here that I want to deal with, that is, of course, the money in this $2 trillion deal that's targeted at small businesses. Uh, we had John Hope Bryan on the show yesterday and, and really trying to get African-American businesses to apply for those dollars, saying, look, there's no reason in the world we should see these, these small businesses, these, these barbers, uh, these uh, salon owners. Uh, people right. who own restaurants, who own clothing stores, people who are individual contractors, uh, that money is there for us as well. And, and so just please speak on uh, how vital that is uh, for Black businesses to not procrastinate, to not think it's, it's, it's not for them to access those dollars so, so we don't lose those businesses and people aren't really uh, uh, suffering more and, and the people who they employ aren't suffering. That money is meant to keep them employing right. their people. That's right. And we had in mind specifically beauty salons and, and barber shops, um, uh, you know, any business, cannabis businesses. I mean, that's one of the businesses I'm, you know, thinking about might uh, be stigmatized in this as they always are. And we've been fighting so hard for more of us to own those, uh, those businesses. But, you know, we want everyone um, to apply. I do have to say that we continue to have concerns about the capacity of the Small Business Administration. They are not used to being contacted by nonprofits, by faith-based institutions, as well as small business owners. But the grants are there, the loans are there. And the other thing is that it's first come, first serve. So many of us 
of our businesses are already starting out behind. So we need you to apply. Uh, myself and other colleagues in the Congressional Black Caucus are looking at creative vehicles where we can do uh, online um, sort of tutorials because we know that the application process can be intimidating and somewhat onerous. Uh, and again, we have concerns about the SBA's capacity to process these loans and grants quickly, but we need you all to apply. And in the meantime, for the next, for the fourth package that will be focused on recovery, we'll continue to fight for um, an equitable economic stimulus to ensure that our businesses are, are not left behind uh, as they have been so many times before. All right, then, Congresswoman Ayanna Presley. Certainly appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. Uh, we, we're going to keep plugging away and uh, keep informing our people so we have all the right information. All right. Stay safe and healthy. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right, folks, as you heard Congresswoman Ayanna Presley say, she talked about the impact of African-Americans uh, having greater deaths as a result of coronavirus. Michigan is now reporting the racial breakdown of COVID-19 cases. So far, 10,791 positive cases have been reported and 417 deaths. Of that number, African-Americans account for 35% of the cases and 40% of the deaths. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, just 14.1% of Michigan's population is African-American. Joining us right now is Kat Stafford. She's a national race and ethnicity reporter for the Associated Press. Kat, this is certainly startling numbers, and it shows how, again, when we hear the phrase, America gets the, America gets the cold, black America gets the flu, now in this, even now in this case, coronavirus is showing the racial disparities that exist in the United States. Yes, and this is data that we have been pressing a number of states for, especially states that have significant African-American populations. And just to note, you know, as of today, Michigan has actually surpassed uh, 12,700 cases and 479 deaths. And we are still seeing that hold in terms of that percentage of African-Americans who are being impacted by that. And when you think of Detroit, when you, when you realize that the city has 78% of a population that is African-American, that's who's being hardest hit. And Detroit is a city that's similar to other ones around the country. When you look at New Orleans, when you look at even Chicago, these are cities that have systemic issues. These are cities that are dealing with concentrated poverty. And so when you think about how it's impacting black folks, you know, a lot of people are saying we need more testing. We need to be able to get people to these testing sites. And there's a lot of concern about who's actually getting the resources. Uh, in fact, ProPublica uh, did this story. Anthony, go to my iPad. As of Friday morning, African-Americans made up almost half of Milwaukee County's 945 cases and 81% of its 27 deaths in a county whose population is 26% black. And again, Milwaukee is one of the few places tracking the racial breakdown. Uh, it was Congresswoman Presley, as well as Senator Elizabeth Warren, uh, who sent a letter uh, asking for federal officials to track this data by saying that it's important for us to know who is actually uh, dying because that speaks to, again, lack of health care. It speaks to who has pre-existing conditions. It speaks to economics. The question is who's getting treatment. All of those things, this is where race still matters. 
Right. And also, when you just think about the, the data, if states were to actually track this and release this information, a lot of medical experts have said this will help them better take care of the patient population. This will help cities be able to identify, okay, this zip code needs more testing. This zip code needs more ways for us to find places for people to go get tested from. So it's not just a matter of people want this data. A lot of experts are saying that this is a crucial piece of information that will really help the country better fight this this virus. Are we seeing more states? Are they going to go towards this or are they resisting this? Well, in, in my reporting so far, not that many states actually are reporting this. Michigan just started Thursday. Thursday was the first time this information became available. And what's important to note is even though they released this information, it's not a totality of what's happening here. There's a large chunk of that data where over 30% of it is unknown. So that's kind of concerning because we don't know who are these people. But you have some other states, like you, you mentioned Milwaukee has been doing an excellent job. Some individual counties have been doing an excellent job as well. But still, we're not seeing a, a robust effort across the country. And again, that's why I think you saw uh, Congresswoman Presley and others, Elizabeth Warren, really press for this type of precedent to be set because their, their argument is how else will we know who really needs this treatment? All right, Kat Stafford with Associated Press. We certainly appreciate it. Great reporting. Thanks a lot. All right, folks, we talk about the economic, first the health impact, but now let's go to the economic impact. The U.S. economy lost jobs for the first time in a decade in March, and the unemployment rate rose more than expected to 4.4% as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. The Department of Labor released its monthly job report today, and it showed some startling numbers, but they actually are worse than what they released because the Trump administration actually told some states to stop counting the people who are filing. Joining us right now is Banja Ajalore, senior economist at the Center for American Progress. Uh, Banja, give us a sense of just. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought we had. Uh, thought we had Banja up. Uh, okay, uh, Banja, there. Oh yes, Ben guys here. Uh, all right, glad glad you have you here. So, uh, give us a sense of break down these numbers. What were released today? I mean, they released this. It's actually worse than what they released. Yes, very much so. So. When it comes to the unemployment numbers, what they do is they measure these numbers starting the second week of each month. So the numbers that we see today, there was an increase in general unemployment from 3.3% up to 4.4%. So that was a huge 1% jump. Now for African-Americans, it jumped up from 5.8% to 6.7%. But one of the things that we've seen recently in the last two weeks is the number of unemployment insurance claims going up by 10 million. So it's actually much larger. And so the next month, when we get those numbers, will better reflect what's happening now. So while there's a huge jump already, it's going to be much worse. And when you talk about uh, those numbers, uh, look, we already saw, what was it, was 10 million uh, unemployment claims were filed? Yep, over the last two weeks, over 10 million unemployment insurance claims. And like I say, we know that Trump asked Ohio to stop counting because they actually wanted the jobs report to look better because they were anticipating these numbers. Yeah, so one of the things is that each week that we have the new unemployment insurance claims numbers, but during the week, states can sometimes claim, say, okay, this is what we have for the state. And so what the administration asks is that the state stop 
reporting that and just leave it to the un uh, the weekly claims. And so what they didn't want to have happen is that people to start worry throughout the week up until Thursday. But the thing is, each Thursday, they're going to have to announce what the number of the UI claims are going to be. And those are the numbers that we have to go with. So what should we be bracing ourselves for and preparing when it comes to the next month when we think about unemployment numbers, jobless claims, everything dealing with the economy? So one of the things we're going to have to anticipate is that we're going to have unemployment numbers probably upwards of 10%. Some people are saying 13 15% even higher. But one of the things we have to realize is that the reason why we have such high unemployment numbers is because we have this public health crisis and it's driven primarily by this public health crisis. And if we don't tackle this public health crisis, we're going to keep having these high unemployment unemployment numbers. Um, you, um, how do you think the $2 trillion um, stimulus plan is going to impact that? We had John Hope Bryant yesterday on, founder of Operation Hope. He talked about uh, what this could very mean for small businesses. Um, if that kicks in, will it sustain us or... Uh, can we expect that number just to keep going up regardless of even this $2 trillion plan? So one of the nice things about the CARES Act is that it includes expanded unemployment insurance benefits. Over the last, since the Great Recession, many states, and a story came out about Florida, how they've made unemployment insurance benefits more restrictive, made less people less eligible, and really tried to make the program not work. Now, in the $2 trillion bill, they have a lot of provisions that expand unemployment insurance. There's even um, work sharing that's going to help people who firms that don't want to lay people off but still want to keep these people on on board. There's those kind of programs. And so as long as those kick in, as long as those the businesses and the states actually engage in those programs, that's going to really help out. But there's still more that needs to be done because you look at other things like not just unemployment insurance, but things like paid sick leave, paid leave, things for child care. Those things were absent in all the previous bills. And those are the things that are going to need to be in place to help us sustain us through this public health crisis. All right. Bonjour, Ajalore, uh, with uh, We certainly appreciate it for breaking the numbers down for us. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All right, for, folks, now it's time for our weekly American Worker segment. Changing the mind is very difficult on how way people act and how they grow up. But if you get somebody that makes it inspiring and you can motivate them and you can educate them, that's where you change the dynamics for the future of our children. I'm George Morales. I'm the constable of Precinct 4 here in Travis County. I'm raised in Southeast Austin, a community called Dove Springs. In the um, late 80s, early 90s, it was a it was really hard in our community in Dove Springs. We had a lot of uh, gangs uh, and drugs that were being sold in our communities. You know, I came up in law enforcement, seeing uh, a lot of constables put themselves in the forefront. It's a community-based office. You know, you want to be out there amongst your community and show them the better side of law enforcement. Show them that you know hard work does pay off. I mean, that's constable work to me. As the president of the Dove Springs Advisory Board. Um, our goal is helping the rec center grow, implement programs. We do events from Easter, which we have about 2,000 kids. The back to school bash, we did about 3,500 backpacks. I think a lot of kids may see him as a hero uh, because he gives back to the kids. It's like he's always talking to kids. He's always around youth. He knows that it's the next generation that's going to take over. I don't do this by myself. I was taught by my union that if we work together, things happen. 
If we speak up, things happen. Union is strength in numbers. And I bring those numbers from the Dust Springs community, from the Precinct 4 community. And that's the union pride that I have. All right, we certainly want to thank the folks at AFSME for being one of our partners here at Roller Martin Unfiltered. Uh, and we thank them for their support for making this show possible. All right, folks, breaking news out of Tennessee, that state has repealed a law that tried to impose criminal penalties and fines on groups that register people to vote. The Lawrence Committee for Civil Rights Under Law, along with their partner, sued Tennessee. The state knew the law was discriminatory and unconstitutional, according to the lawyers. Well, guess what? They've now realized that, and this, of course, is a huge win for the people of Tennessee. Also, uh, some other breaking news here. Uh, in um, Chicago, uh, Cook County Judge Tony Preckwinkle uh, has fired the chief architect, Anthony, go to my iPad, uh, of the COVID-19 response, uh, who is the chief operating officer for uh, for the county, uh, for that particular county. Dr. Terry Mason, of course, a longtime doctor there, uh, was uh, fired by the county judge today. No reason given why all of a sudden in the midst of this, uh, she would fire Dr. Terry Mason. I've known Dr. Mason for years, an amazing doctor. Uh, used to be with the city of Chicago and was a, top, was a chief medical officer for Cook County, then became the chief operating officer, the number two official uh, for the county. I reached out to him, have not heard back. And again, no reason why the county judge uh, Tony Preckwinkle has made that county board president. Tony Preckwinkle has made that decision uh, to actually fire uh, him from that position. Uh, so uh, we'll be getting more details on that uh, when we can. All right. So a lot of y'all always asking me about terms, some of the pocket squares that I wear. Now, I don't know. Robert don't have one on. Now, I don't particularly like the white pocket squares. I don't like even the silk ones. And so I was reading GQ magazine a number of years ago and I saw uh, this guy who had this this pocket square here and it looks like a flower. Uh, this is called a shibori pocket square. This is how the Japanese manipulate the fabric to create this sort of flower effect. So I'm going to take it out and then place it in my hand so you see what it looks like. And I said, man, this is pretty cool. And so I tracked down, the. it took me a year to find a company that did it. Uh, and so uh, they make these about 47 different colors. And so I love them because, again, as men, we don't have many accessories to wear. So we don't have many options. Uh, and so this is really a pretty cool uh, pocket square. Now, what I love about this here is you saw uh, when it's uh, in, in the pocket, you know, it gives you that flower effect like that but if I wanted to also unlike other because if I flip it and turn it over it actually gives me a different type of texture and so therefore it gives me a different look so there you go so uh, if you actually want to uh, get one of these shibori pocket squares we have them in 47 different colors all you got to do is go to rollingthismartin.com forward slash pocket squares so it's rollingthismartin.com forward slash pocket squares. All you got to do is go to my website uh, and you can actually uh, get this. Now, for those of you who are members of our Bring the Funk fan club, there's a discount for you to get our pocket squares. That's why you also got to be a part of our Bring the Funk fan club. Uh, and so that's what we want you to do. And so it's pretty cool. So if you want to jazz your look up, you can do that. In addition, uh, y'all see me with some of the feather pocket squares. My sister who is a designer. She actually makes these. They're all custom made. So when you also go to the website, you can also order one of the customized uh, feather pocket squares uh, right there at rollingsmartin.com forward slash pocket squares. So please do so. And of course, uh, it goes to support the show. And again, if you're a Brina the Funk fan club member, you get a discount. This is why you should join the fan club. You want to check out Roller Martin Unfiltered? 
youtube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. Hey everybody, this is your man Fred Hammond, and you're watching Roland Martin, my man, Unfiltered. Hi, this is Essence Atkins, and you're watching Roland Martin, Unfiltered. Hey yo, Peace World, what's going on? It's the Love King of R&B, Raheem Devon, and you're watching Roland Martin, Unfiltered. Hi, my name is Brescia Webb, and you're watching Roland Martin, Unfiltered. Ow. Well, I like a nice filter usually, but we can be unfiltered. What's going on? This is Tobias Trevelyan. If you're ready, you are listening to and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. What's up? I'm Lance Gross, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Hi, this is Cheryl Lee Ralph, and you are watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. I mean, could it be any other way? Really? It's Roland Martin. You want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Hey fam, want to check out Roller Martin Unfiltered, the blackest show on all of digital cable and broadcast. Check out our audio podcast. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roller Martin Unfiltered. Press play. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.